Welcome to the Good Fight Radio Show, a program dedicated to bringing you vital and uncompromised truths that you won't hear in the mainstream media, discussing contemporary issues in light of the Bible and how these issues relate to family, culture, and the church. The heart of this show is to glorify Jesus Christ and expose the works of darkness as he is commanded in Ephesians 5.11. Now here's your host, Good Fight Ministries' own Chad Davidson. Well, praise God. Thank you guys so much for joining us on the Good Fight Radio Show. I am extremely excited for our guest today, Doreen Virtue. And she has a giant, giant following on YouTube and and so forth that people are really getting a good grasp of what New Age teaching is about. And praise God, because she has come out of it and is now warning against it. So I am so excited to welcome Doreen Virtue to the Good Fight Radio Show. Thank you, Chad, and everyone who's watching. I really appreciate this opportunity to glorify God and to warn people about New Age deception. Well, Doreen, I I think it'd be a great place to start because, as you said, you want to warn people about this, and, you know, that's one of our biggest things here at the ministry is warning people about deception because people are being deceived. That's why we see in Scripture, do not be deceived, but... I think it would be a great place to start is to see where was it that you saw the error and the dangers of the new age and said, no, I need to come to know Jesus Christ as Lord. Well, I just want to say that I was a senior citizen when I was saved at age 59. And so I'd spent a lifetime in deception. And and so I really know deception. I can smell it like an ex-cigarette smoker can smell smoke. And uh, I was a professional New Age teacher, uh, one of the top-selling New Age authors in the world. I'm not boasting. It's to glorify God for the mercy he had on my life. I didn't deserve this. I wasn't asking for this. And all this time, I thought I was a Christian because I was raised in a church that called itself Christian, Christian Science, which is a false church. And my mom told us we were Christians. We went to church twice a week. I had a King James Bible since I could read. And we'd read from it cherry-picked. Uh, So when I was a New Age teacher, I used to talk about Jesus, but in a New Age way, as a mortal man who was a great teacher and now an ascended master, which is blasphemy I've repented for. And, and, And I would always listen to Christian radio, and I'd also listen to radio shows from... Uh, gurus from Hinduism and Buddhism and shaman and and Celtic goddess worshipers. And I thought all paths led to heaven. I was a universalist in the wool. And I was listening to Alistair Begg on uh, right around January 15th, 2015. And I'd heard him so many times. I loved him, still do. And I heard him say a description of false prophets. And it was like he was describing me. And it, it was the first time the Holy Spirit had pierced my heart. Even though I had read a lot of the Bible, I didn't know it. The gospel was foolishness to me because I was perishing. And I went home, I was listening to this in the car, and I said to my husband, you know, I think we need to go to a, real, a regular church because we'd been going to New Age churches like Unity and and divine science and Christian science, religious science and all that. And so we then started looking for a, a denomination, not knowing what we were doing. And we we flopped around with Seventh-day Adventist. We were Episcopalians for two years, which was very progressive. 
and liberal. And but it was during that time that we were studying the Bible. And and I had some supernatural experiences um, during that time that I had just trying to figure out what was going on. It was like I was trying to blend New Age with Christianity during the interim years between 2015, when I heard Pastor Begg talk about that, and the end of 2017 when I was saved. So I'd always had visions my whole life. I'd always had supernatural experiences. I do not anymore. Um, before I was saved, I, I had this big vision I thought was Jesus and and such, but it was just really confusing. And the only way I, I was able to find my way was by studying God's word, which gives us such clear boundaries. And when I got to Deuteronomy 18, 10 through 12, that's when I was finally uh, just broken of my sin. And I, I realized just then and there, because is, this is God speaking through Moses as the Israelites are about to cross the Jordan River and go into Canaan. And, and, and God says, do not be like the Canaanites. Do not burn and sacrifice your children. Of course, I wasn't doing that. I'd been pro-life my whole life. But but it, but it what he said next is what got me. He said, do not practice mediumship. I was a medium. I was teaching mediumship. Do not practice divination. I was using divination tools like, uh, like crystals and cards. I was uh, an author of cards. We called them angel cards. And do not interpret signs and omens, which I was doing and teaching about. And then what kicked me was it said that anyone who does these practices is a detestable abomination to God. And I was floored because before then I thought that I was, this is going to sound so stupid now, but I really thought I was helping God with my work. Uh, in the new age, it's very narcissistic. They tell you that you have to save the world when Jesus is our only savior, of course. And so I thought I was helping to quote, save the world with my, my heretical blasphemous new age work because people told me it helped them they said it comforted them they even said it made them feel closer to god but it was not our god it was not our triune holy god i wasn't bringing them closer to jesus i was pointing them to themselves to glorify themselves which the new age does and um and so the end of 2017 i repented I said, I don't know what I'm doing. My life's a mess. I gave my life to Jesus as my Lord and Savior. And then after a lifetime, 50 years in the new age, metaphysics and new age, I tried to learn how to trust in the Lord where I never, I didn't know God, learning how to uh, lean on him instead of my own understanding, trying not to try to predict or control the future like they do in the new age. Uh, it, it's been such a learning curve. That's why I enrolled in seminary, so I could learn how to rightly divide God's word. I'd been raised in the King James Bible, but I didn't know it. I, I didn't know the gospel. Wow. I mean, that is absolutely incredible. And, you know, one of the things I, I was wondering, because, you know, I've heard different testimonies of people coming out of this, and some people may not even notice I mean, not even notice, they may not realize just how demonic a lot of this is. Now, do you believe yeah. that some of those experiences that you were going through during that time were not just simply your mind, but actually mm -hmm. demonic entities? Oh, no, 100% demonic. Um, as a child, I was, what's odd is I was raised in, you know, metaphysics, which is new age. And so we would talk about things like manifesting and healing with your mind and, and all the new age concepts at a time when in the, this was in the 60s when the world was pretty Christian back then. And so I was kind of the freak 
at school to be a new ager in the Christian world. And now I find I'm a freak again. I'm a Christian in a new age world, you know, 50 years <laughs> later. So when I was growing up in, in, in that time, I was very lonely and I would be visited by, now I know they're demons. I thought they were angels who were giving me just kind of supernatural experiences, lucid dreams, um, out-of-body experiences, things that are just demonic that I've renounced and I do not have anymore. Um, and and so when I became a, a new age teacher, I I should back up and say that, you know, a lot of times when people are looking for answers, they go to psychology and I was no different. So I enrolled and graduated from Chapman University with a BA and an MA in counseling psychology. And I became a psychotherapist in the 80s and 90s. And uh, and so I was studying things like personality tests and mental health and such. And and from there, I, I got into kind of the self-help movement and I started writing self-help books. And I was invited to be a speaker at the Whole Life Expo, which some of you may remember was a roving band of self-help and new age teachers that would go to different convention halls around North America and give weekend workshops that had booths filled with new age material. That's where I really got deeply into the new age because it, when I wasn't speaking on stage, the self-help, um, I was going and roving around the different booths, learning about crystal healing. I became a Reiki master. I learned about chakra clearing, all these things at these whole life new age expos. And then really delved into, uh, psychic development, becoming a psychic. And one of the things that's important here to know is that I was doing stage readings on television, radio, and from stages on people, cold readings, people I'd never ever met before that I could not even see because they were on the radio. Uh, and I was getting real detailed, accurate information from them. Now I know it was being fed to me from demons as Second Corinthians eleven fourteen and 15 said, uh, that they were masquerading as angels of light. And I was a worker of inequity, being a mouthpiece unknowingly for Satan, giving a mixture of truth and lies, as Satan always does during these readings. Wow, that is absolutely incredible. And, you know, this brings me to another point. You mentioned specifically, not only you were talking about Chapman and, and studying there and learning some of these personality tests and so forth. And I do want to get to the Enneagram a little bit later for some of our audience. But also you talked about Reiki and a lot of people don't realize that in the church today, there are entire churches that have a yoga portion of church. They actually meet and have yoga sometimes on specific nights and some pastor's wives are leading it and so forth. And a lot of people don't realize that this is something that has snuck into some of the Christian church. And a lot of people don't even realize the dangers of it. And you're coming from this new age background. You're saying, hey, I was learning these things. So what are some of the warnings that we may be able to give to believers who might be deceived in this area? Okay, well, let me just start out with a couple of things, a couple of notes. First of all, people point to the effects or the so-called benefits of these new age practices, and they say, but it helps me. But it doesn't work like that. At the end of our life, we're all going to stand before God, and saying it helped me will not be an excuse for breaking his commandments and sinning. And I also want to say that I wrote about 70 books when I was in the new age. I was very prolific. I was a channeler. I did automatic writing. A lot of those books are still being 
tragically still sold by others. If they were if they were self-published, I would have pulled them the day that I was saved. But other people have licensed them and they're still out there. So that's why I'm clanging the gong of saying you, you don't use these products. These new age products are demonic. They will lead to, if you're not saved, they can be a path to hell. I'll just be really bottom line here. Um, yoga is one of them. I did yoga for 20 years, almost every day. My best friend in the new age was a yoga teacher who owned a big yoga studio. And so I was all in. I lectured at Kripalu, one of the foremost yoga uh, training centers in America. And now I know that yoga is, is a word that goes to a, the ancient Eastern language of Sanskrit. And Sanskrit... Uh, meanings are important to know with yoga. And I understand people are going to argue about holy yoga and Christian yoga. I'll get to that in a second. But let's just start with the basics. Yoga means yoke, which means tied together. And if you look at the the Gita, the the ancient um, Hindu, uh, their, their scripture, you'll see that it specifically means yoke to Brahma, who's the Hindu creator God with a small g. And so when you do yoga, you're literally binding yourself to a pagan deity. Then you take a look at the different asanas, which means pose of yoga. And, and even in so-called holy yoga or Christian yoga, you'll do the sun salutation series, which is a series of poses that includes three poses called warrior one, warrior two, warrior three. In Sanskrit, those poses are called virabhadrasana, we already uh, established asana means pose. So it's the pose of Virabhadras. Who's Virabhadras? Oh, look, he's a Hindu demon. He's actually a Hindu demon that, that acted out a murder on uh, in response to Shiva's command. And so warrior one, two, and three is acting out a Hindu demonic murder scene. And, and in the Bible, it says we are to glorify God with our bodies. How does that glorify God to do a Hindu murder scene. And it's not just stretching. That's what people are always arguing to me. It's not natural to do warrior where you have your arms perfectly perpendicular and perfectly straight. I mean, it's so precise that the yoga teacher will come over and correct you if you do it wrong. That's not just stretching. That is breaking the second commandment and, and actually the first commandment, thou shalt have no more other gods before me, but have no graven images. You're making your body into a graven image with yoga. The fish pose is another one. The fish pose is not a fish in the sea. It's the fish God that you're mimicking with your body. And I could go on and on. I'm going to actually make a video about what every pose makes uh, means because you're, you're mimicking Hinduism. Now I get called racist for people who do not understand John 14, 6, that Jesus is the only way to heaven, the only way to the father. He's the way, the truth, and the life. And so it makes us sound very narrow-minded, which we are, because it's a narrow path and a narrow gate. Um, so people will say to me, uh, yeah, but I, God knows my heart. He knows I'm not worshiping Hindu deities. And I always say, yeah, you should be afraid that God knows your heart. He doesn't. It says in the Bible, he knows all the secrets of our heart and we will be judged for them. So that's not an excuse. The other excuse I have heard is that, well, we, we use Bible verses at our yoga studio. We sing, we sing hymns at our yoga studio. Again, let me give an analogy. If if you take a Ouija, even the most diehard New Ager stays away from. Everybody knows a Ouija board is a portal to demons. 
and, and let's just say you put Bible verses on that Ouija board. You pasted them all over the Ouija board so you couldn't see anything but Bible verses. And then you played hymns while you're using the Ouija board. Does it therefore become a holy Ouija board? Does it become a Christian Ouija board? No, it does not. I'm so upset by people who plaster the name Christian in front of pagan practices and say that that somehow Christianizes it. It doesn't. It's still polytheism to practice yoga. And that's one of the sins our Lord and Savior Jesus suffered and died for. So why would we engage in that when we can stretch in non-yoga ways? Wow. Yeah, it seems to be uh, the difference between stretching and yoga is the yoga part. So <laughs> the, the, yeah, the poses. I stretch every day. It's natural. I think God wants us to stretch our bodies for health. But but getting on a yoga mat and following the asanas and and also uh, the the schools are forcing kids to do yoga in some places. And that's that's prayer in school. The Hindu prayers like Namaste, which is blasphemous, saying the God within me recognizes and honors the God within you, or Om which is saying the sound of the universal creation instead of Genesis 1. Uh, it, it's Hindu prayer in school under the radar of saying that it's cool and that it helps kids to focus or be more peaceful. When the studies by Candy Gunther Brown, PhD, show that people get into yoga initially for the health benefits, but you check in with them within a few months, they're in yoga addicted to the spiritual aspects. And the kids who've been in yoga tend to increase enuresis, bedwetting, and big nightmares at night, and they have trouble concentrating in school. I got a letter today from a woman who had sleep paralysis, and when she stopped yoga, it went away. And I've, I've got so many uh, testimonies like that. And then I, t I hear from people who twist scripture to try to justify yoga. It's not there. All that's there is condemnation of worshiping other gods. And you can't Christianize it. It's not redeemable. It's not like Paul saying the meat in pagan temples can be eaten. It's not that way. It's If you read that, it says that Paul says, but I will not eat meat or drink anything that could cause a brother to stumble. And being engaged in so-called holy yoga could cause someone to stumble. An unsaved person could look at you as a Christian and say, oh, yoga is okay, and get involved in that pipeline of polytheism that way. Yeah, that, I mean, I'm so glad that you're warning against the of, of the dangers of yoga because it has been something that has just seeped in. So it's so strange to me, but it's not that strange. One of the things we were talking about even before this was the fact that the emergent church might have somewhat gone away, but really it's changed its name to the progressive Christianity. And really... When we see this, it's something that's kind of been an attack by Satan for a long time. And I mean, you were talking earlier about some of the self-esteem, uh, you know, mumbo jumbo and so, and so forth. And I remember Robert Schuler had a book, Self-Esteem, The New Reformation. And not to mention that was more new age stuff. I'm sure that would have been fine teaching for most people. And when it comes to some of these personality tests, too, as well, that people are getting into, you studied this at Chapman at, mm -hmm. uh, University, and you have a good background on some of this stuff, and I'd love for our audience to learn a little bit about some of these personality tests, even the Enneagram and so mm -hmm. forth. Yeah, that's true. Um, I, I have a BA and MA from Chapman University um, with high honors from there, and so I 
I think I'm qualified to talk about personality tests because we learned about them and practiced them and administered them. There is one personality test that's scientifically valid called the Minnesota Multiphasic Personality Inventory, MMPI. If someone really, really wants to dissect their personality, I think it's a waste of time. I think we should use that time to study the, the attributes of God instead. If we're looking for answers, it's all in God. So study his, his um, sovereignty, his immutability. Study God's attributes, not yourself. But backing up, as I mentioned, I had about 70 books before I was saved that were uh, written through a process called automatic writing, which means that you kind of uh, go into a hypnotic trance, self-trance, and you you might say a prayer protection, which is ridiculous because you can't be protected while you're sinning. And, and I would ask for messages to come through. And I would ask for God and Jesus to come through. But everything that came through was didn't pass 1 John 4, the Apostle John's test of the Spirit, which says that if a spirit does not point to Jesus confessing him biblically, it's a, it's a false spirit. It's an antichrist. And so I didn't test these spirits that I thought were God's angels. I thought they were the Holy Spirit. I was using Christian terms, but it was not Christian. I was a progressive Christian at that time. And and so I, I would get all these messages. And then you contrast that with the Enneagram that was a had two creators. Uh, one creator came up with this symbol, and the symbol is, um, is very reminiscent because he used to talk to Metatron, who's a a Kabbalistic demon. He's he's not an angel. He's only in the Kabbalah, and and it's called Metatron's cube. Uh, and the New Agers always celebrate him. And then the types, the nine enneotypes, were trans-channeled by Claudia Naranjo, who was a psychedelic drug using, experimenting um, person. Who, admittedly, he was both channeling demons. And he thought it was cool to explore the different spiritual realm, which is horrifying. But through trance channeling, automatic writing, same thing, uh, he got the nine enneotypes. And then they, they proceeded to falsely market that it came from the desert fathers, that it was ancient Christian lost secrets. It's not. It's recent. And it's making the, the teachers of this billions of dollars. Look, my biggest detractors who slander me are people who make a lot of money uh, in the in in this industry a new age it's it is so so insidious I was in the industry for 20 years I can tell you it's all about money sometimes people today accuse me of being all about money which is ridiculous I don't take donations I don't have a patreon account to accept donations I never push anything for sale so I don't know what they're talking about but what I can tell you is that the Enneagram industry is huge. And it, it is pushing uh, idolatry, self-idolatry specifically, where you identify as one of nine numbers and types. People are always arguing, well, it, it helped to explain me. It helped my marriage. Again, going to the effects of these New Age teachings, it's, it's like Pharaoh's sorcerers that could mimic God's miracles to a degree. And just because something seems to help you, seems comforting, seems to work, does not mean that we should engage in it as Christians. You could say that getting drunk is relaxing, you, but it's condemned in the Bible as a sin. And the Enneagram is mediumship, first of all, 
Deuteronomy 18 says that anyone who practices mediumship is a detestable abomination to the Lord. Trans-channeling is mediumship, make no mistake. Um, we are to only have one God, our triune, co-equal, uh, co-eternal Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We're not to make ourselves elevated above God. And that's what the Enneagram does. It leads to pridefulness. The Bible says pride goes before the fall. So we're setting ourselves up for problems by identifying, oh, I'm an eight. Oh, I'm a one. Oh, I hate twos. You, you hear that in Enneagram circles. When if you are saved, your identity is in Christ. You are an adopted child in the family of God. You're a child of God if you are saved. If you're not saved, I pray that you will repent and turn to Jesus as your Lord and Savior. But until then, you are an image bearer. You're made in the image and likeness of God. So those are our identities, not some hokey number that came through demons. <laughs> amen, amen. And maybe uh, for the audience, it'd be great for them to see some of the ways that Richard Rohr, uh, the Franciscan priest, how he has kind of helped push this uh, along, really. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Richard Rohr, one of the best friends of Oprah, who's also a New Ager, and he has a universal Christ. So he, he teaches a false Christ. And as we know, if you get Jesus wrong, you get the gospel wrong. And so what Richard Rohr is teaching does not lead to salvation. And we need to pray for him as people prayed for me when I was a false teacher. He's teaching that Buddhism is something that could help Christians, that we Christians could learn from Buddhism. And then what he's teaching about Buddhism isn't even Buddhism. It's his own imagination of what he thinks Buddhism is. So Richard Rohr is very charismatic. Uh, he seems very avuncular, like your best friend, uncle. Look, he's very wise, but he is not someone to be listened to. He's someone to be marked and avoided. Amen. No, without a, without a doubt, a lot of it just seems so very Gnostic, this idea of yeah. the Christ um, spirit basically going on different people. And uh, it's yeah. very interesting. Yeah, he teaches a New Age concept called panentheism, which is based on the, the fact one of God's attributes is he is omnipresent. He's everywhere. But what the New Agers and Richard Rohr take it to a different degree, and they say, well, God's in that, <clears throat> God's in that tree, so therefore, you would worship the tree as God's in there. And then in the New Age, we would say, well, God's in me because he's omnipresent. So therefore, I'm God. And then we would twist Jesus's words um, about, did not did you not say in the Old Testament that ye are gods, which was talking about judges and small g. But we would twist that to say that we're gods in training. We're little gods or goddesses. And that's what Richard Rohr is teaching. Wow, that's really interesting. It's it's. It's kind of interesting, too, because even in the Old Testament, when we read about Elijah, one of the things is that God does send things there, but it says he was not in the wind. He was not in the fire. So any place you have a place where God mm -hmm. is not in, I think that probably debunks any sort of panentheism, uh, so to speak. So it's very interesting. And one of the other tests that you, I guess, studied back in your time there at Chapman University was the Myers-Briggs test. And, and maybe give a little background on that, because there's a lot of Christians that are doing that one as well. Yeah, again, this is people searching for answers in them, their own self, and you can never find answers within yourself, even though the New Age teaches that, and now it's popularized, that the answers are within. I mean, uh, the Bible says that the heart is deceitful above all things. 
And so we can't trust our own heart. Lean not on your own understanding, Proverbs 3, 5 through 7 says. And so Myers-Briggs has got an interesting background. I think it's just as bad as the Enneagram. It was made by a woman who was a farmer. And I love farmers, so it's nothing against farmers. But the point is that she's not a scientist. There's no committee like the multi... The there's no committee on this test like the MMPI had with the self checks. This is a farm woman who was studying Carl Jung, J U N G, who was an occultist who was someone we studied at Chapman University. He was a, you know a psychiatrist who was kind of like Freud, much into his own opinions, but it became kind of a staple of psychology. So so Jung was very interested in spiritualism, mediumship, and occult practices. And he came up with these archetypes. And the this farm woman wanted to understand her daughter's boyfriend, her soon-to-be son-in-law. So she took her study of Carl Jung's work and made this test to test her son-in-law and it became the Myers-Briggs. Her name was Myers and the son-in-law Briggs. And so here you have this typology that comes from a, a woman at home wanting to know more about her potential son-in-law. And people take it as the gospel truth. It, you know, the devil mixes in truth and lies. Like there's some truism to extroversion and introversion, but it's not our identity. Our identity needs to be focused on God. Look at his attributes, study his attributes, and know whether you are an image bearer who's unsaved or whether you're a child of God adopted into God's family because you've repented and given your life to Jesus. Wow, I think it's absolutely incredible. And you talked about Carl Jung there, or Carl Jung, and it's really interesting because he's been popularized by some people that I've heard speak. Even uh, Jordan Peterson would talk about Carl Jung and, and so forth during some of his speeches. And a lot of people do not realize um, really how dark he was in terms of, uh, in terms of being really not, not biblical at all, but very new age. And, and I would say even satanic. No, he should only be quoted as someone not to emulate, not as someone to follow. I mean, <clears throat> a lot of these old philosophers might've had some kernels of wisdom, but for Christians, our, our, gospel truth comes from God's word, the inerrant, God-breathed authority of the Bible, not from these philosophers. I mean, if you look at the Bible, it says, do not follow these empty philosophies. And even if they say they got the message from an angel, this is a false gospel they're teaching. And so nobody should be quoting Carl Jung as someone wise. Oh, amen. Amen. And, you know, I, I just want to ask, you know, for the audience here, for those that are maybe Christians that have, you know, been involved in these tests, been involved in taking these, or even get involved in yoga, um, whatever it may be, what do you think a good warning might be for them and an encouragement to not kind of go down this road and to steer clear of it and get on that, that narrow road with Jesus? Well, the first thing is to know that there's a lot of false teachers out there making a lot of money who are twisting scripture to justify things like yoga, the Enneagram, uh, astrology, even witchcraft these days. There's people saying you could be a Christian witch, which is such an oxymoron. It's just not even... Anyway, <laughs> it, if you, it, it, it all comes back to being a Berean. 
we need to test everything against scripture. We need to compare it to scripture. And if you read the whole Bible, not just cherry pick, but go from Genesis 1 to Revelation and keep going and keep going, you learn the attributes of God and why he has no tolerance for other gods. And that's what all of these practices are teaching. I know that people argue about Christian liberty, Christian freedom, but if they would go to Galatians and study it, they would see that it says do not do not sin because of so-called freedom. It's it's not to be used to satisfy the lust of the flesh. And that's what these are. They're all lust of the flesh. People who get mad at me are people who are addicted to these practices and they don't want to hear any kind of conviction. But I think deep down they know that this is truth because if you'll if we'll just be honest with ourselves and say Am I putting this this practice, this yoga, this this crystal, this essential oil, this personality test? Am I putting this on the throne of my heart and thinking it has special magical powers apart from and even above of God? And if we're honest with ourselves and the Holy Spirit, we will say yes, and we'll see that we have these idols, and idolatry is condemned in the Bible. So there's no way to twist Scripture to justify any of these practices. Amen, Doreen. And I could not give a more hearty amen to just this whole episode. And and really, really, it's been so important for you guys to listen to this, take these things into consideration, because this is really important to recognize these things. And as she had mentioned regarding Richard Rohr, we need to mark the false teachers. And when you see things coming into the church, we need to mark them and call them out in love and also call people to repentance because you know what, Doreen, I hope there's a lot of people that are involved in the New Age right now that are going to repent and turn to Jesus soon enough. So I want to thank you so much for joining us, Doreen. It's been an absolute blessing. Thank you so much, brother. And I just love your ministry, and I hope everyone watches all of your videos because they are just so steeped in gospel truth. Ah, Praise the Lord. Thank you so much for that. And God bless you guys. Keep on fighting that good fight and seeking after Jesus. God bless. You've been listening to the Good Fight Radio Show brought to you by Good Fight Ministries. If you're blessed by this show and would like to partner with us, please consider visiting our Patreon page at patreon.com goodfight. Or you can write to us at P.O. Box 2202, Simi Valley, California, 93062. Or call us toll free at 1-866-JC-TRUTH. That's 1-866-528-7884. We hope you'll tune in next time on the Good Fight Radio Show.